Hello, and welcome to Rewired, a brand new podcast. Whether you are a baby boomer or a millennial, planning ahead or already enjoying retirement, this show is designed to inspire your imagination with helpful information to invite you to live your best life. And now, here's our host, Duchess Dale. Hello and welcome to episode five of Rewired. This week we are spotlighting Earth Day, which is celebrated typically on April 22nd. Earth Day began in 1970 as a consciousness movement movement to bring attention and awareness to the environment. It seems that way back then, (laughs) people were starting to pay attention that maybe we weren't being the best practices citizens that we could be on the planet and that there was a better way. And that reminded me of a commercial. And that's what today's topic title is. It's not nice to fool Mother Nature. (laughs) Now, my older listeners probably remember that commercial. It was around 1977, starring the wonderful character actress, Dina Dietrich. And if we were in person, I would have a trivia contest and say, all right, what was the product that she was promoting as Mother Nature? Well, don't go running off the podcast to Google the answer. I'll tell you, it was chiffon margarine. Now, I didn't understand it back then. I'm not sure I understand it now, why Mother Nature and chiffon margarine were having that conversation. But the point is that we need to be a little kinder to Mother Nature. And so as seniors, we may think, well, what else can I do but, you know, put my paper and and recycling in the bin? Well, I think there are more. So today we are rewiring with some earthy topics and tips. Let's start with my daily word, D-A-L-E hyphen Y, daily as in my name. The daily word is actually two words today, carbon footprint. Now, according to the New York Times, a carbon footprint is the total amount of greenhouse gas emissions that come from the production, use, and end of life of a product or service. That includes carbon dioxide, the gas most commonly emitted by humans and others, including methane, nitrous oxide, and other gases, which trap heat in the atmosphere, which is what causes global warming. I didn't know that exactly, by the way. Usually, the bulk of an individual's carbon footprint comes from their use of transportation, housing, and food. (laughs) Well, this also made me think about a phrase from one of my favorite poets, Wendell Berry, and he said, the earth is what we have in common. The earth is what we all have in common, and it's true whether you are male or female, you live in the East or the West or Europe, or you you eat chocolate ice cream versus vanilla ice cream, or you vote differently, one of the things that we all have in common is our home, Mother Nature, the Earth, this planet. And then that made me think of something else. Do you remember the film, The Graduate? based on a novella by Charles Webb, and it's better known as the film starring Dustin Hoffman, directed by the amazing Mike Nichols. Well, there was a scene in there after he graduates, and this gentleman in a suit takes him out by the pool to talk to him. He's, you know, kind of a high mucky muck. 
And Mr. McGuire says, I, I want to just say one word to you, just one word. And Benjamin says, yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am, sir. Plastics. Plastics. Way back in 1963 to 1967, someone had the prescience to realize that plastics were becoming an important commodity within our future. And indeed that they have. Did you know that 10% of all human-generated waste is plastic? Yikes. There are 17,000 plastic bottles that are bought every minute. You heard me correctly. Every minute. And 500 billion plastic bags are used each year. Well, that statistic about the plastic bags probably has reduced post-pandemic because many cities have banned the use of plastic bags altogether. And those people who are, you know, leaning towards consciousness for the environment have gotten very used to bringing their own cloth or vinyl bags when they go shopping. But that plastic, mm, ah, I have to admit, I hate to admit the fact that we still purchase plastic water bottles. Not all the time. It's not the primary source. I do have a reusable water bottle. In fact, it's sitting here at my desk right now. But I tend to buy plastic water bottles, especially if I'm out and about. They're easy and fast and I can stay hydrated. And usually what I do is I bring them home to either recycle them or to put them in the dishwasher and try at least to get two more uses out of them. And I know that most of us think about that and we put the recycling bottle in the recycling bin. I just want to remind you that please remove the cap before you do so because the cap is not recyclable, even though the, the bottles may be. So I'm looking at all the information that you can find now on the website, which probably wasn't as available in 1970. But earthday.org, which of course has popped up as a result of that, they have a great frequently asked questions page that gave me a whole bunch of information, some really inspirational and helpful and educational, and then some hmm, kind of depressing. Did you know that we're currently living through a mass species extinction event? It is the largest known, and scientists are now estimating that we are losing 10,000 times more species per year than the normal rate. Most of this is due to climate change. The world is facing a mass extinction of species, and we stand to lose the big cat species in the next 10 to 15 years. Lions, whom I love, I am a Leo, and I love lions, uh, they are now down to perhaps 25,000 in the African wild, where it used to be 450,000 that inhabited that region. Leopards are now numbering at about 50,000, down from 750,000. This is due to climate change and, sadly, poaching. Now, something in our familiar New Mexico culture, lizard populations are especially vulnerable to climate change. A recent study projects that if the current decline in lizard populations continues as it is, 39% of all lizard populations will be extinct, all populations, and 20% of global species will be extinct by the year 2080. Ah, it took me a while to kind of 
get my bearings again after reading some of this information because it felt so dismal. And then I felt like the same old story. Well, what can I do? What can little old me do right now to begin to make a difference? Well, I'm going to share some ideas, some of the things that I read about that are recommended and some of the things that I do. Fly less and drive less. Well, we all kind of knew that. Turning off lights and appliances when you're not using them. Well, that is pretty practical. And my grandmother taught me that a long time ago. But what I didn't know is that if there's an appliance, let's say a lamp in your house that you don't use that often, unplug it from the wall. It saves more energy that way. And plug it in when you have people over if you're about to sit down and read. But turning off appliances at the power outlet reduces even more energy. For those of you that can consider eating less meat, we are pescatarians in our household, so that's an easy one for us. Replace lights. Use those little LED lights that use up to 85% less energy. They last 25 times longer and are cheaper to run than incandescent lights. So here's another one of my little eco confessions. I don't like those bulbs. I mean, the little squirrely ones, the squiggly ones, those look like a wonderful Foster Freeze ice cream cone, but they don't look like light bulbs to me. I like the old-fashioned light bulb that looks like the image when you think about, oh, I have an idea. However, now that I understand the value of replacing them, I am going to start to do that every time an incandescent bulb runs out. Now, here's another thing about recycling itself. Most of us are familiar to turn over a container to look on the bottom to see what number is in the little triangle. That indicates what resin that that container was made with, and it will tell you if it is recyclable. Then one must connect with a local city or county or state information site to find out if those numbers are recyclable in your area. Now, here's another tip that <laughs> may surprise you. You have to empty and rinse all food containers before putting them in the bin because a dirty container can spoil a whole batch of recyclables. So those greasy pizza boxes, dirty peanut butter jars, uh, spaghetti sauce jars, anything that has residue in it in glass or, or cartons, Mm, those are contaminants that can ruin the entire recycling process. So ensure that your items don't have food or liquid residue. And if you are unsure if it's recyclable or not, toss it in the trash. Okay, take a breath. I know that probably startled some of you. Use your best judgment. But remember, it takes about five gallons of water to wash out that empty peanut butter jar, not to mention the gas you use to heat up the hot water to do that. So it is better to throw that in the trash. Of course, you probably are recycling paper and steel and tin cans. Remember to collect dry cell batteries separately and find out where you can recycle those in your local area. They do not go in your recycling bin. Don't put things in the recycling bin that don't belong there, like batteries or aerosol cans or who knows what else. And here's a tip. Well, it's not a tip. It's an information piece from Recycle New Mexico. 
This site says that according to a comprehensive 2010 New Mexico landfill rate analysis report, New Mexicans buried $168 million worth of valuable material in landfills instead of recycling it. So in our state, back in 2010, didn't have a more current research report, but in 2010, our state spent $51 million to bury $168 million worth of material. Yikes. Bill Nye, the science guy, says, to leave the world better than you found it, sometimes you have to pick up other people's trash. And I think what he means by that is if you're walking down the street, you see a piece of paper littering, pick it up. If you can, when you take your dog out for a walk, be sure you have your baggies with you to pick up after your own dog. But maybe you have an extra run the way we do. We also use the bags that come from our gluten-free bagels and bread and even frozen veggies so that they get used before they're tossed. And then, of course, we always have the compostable doggy bags that I'm grateful our particular neighborhood provides for us. But make the world a better place than you found it. If you see something like that, that's a small action step that you can take. A couple of other things that I do that maybe will inspire you. Turn off the water when you brush your teeth. You can wet the toothbrush, turn off the faucet, brush your teeth, and then turn the water back on when you're ready to rinse. And that also applies if you're washing your hands or rinsing out a particular glass or cup. In fact, we have, it is a plastic water bottle jug. Yes, it's, a, I think, a two and a half gallon one that we buy occasionally because it has electrolytes and alkaline water. And once it's empty, I keep it in the sink so that when I do rinse out a cup, I use that rinse water, pour it back into the jug and repurpose it so that later on, when I'm rinsing out uh, a bowl or even a, a bottle of kombucha or wine, I use the repurposed water to rinse that out. I don't need to run it from the faucet for a glass that I am about to either toss or recycle. You can use recyclable cups and mugs. We have our own beverage cups that we bought at Starbucks. And so when we go to Starbucks, we take our cups with us, not only to help the environment, but Starbucks does give us 10 cents off per beverage every time we bring our own cup. I have my own reusable straws that I bought a bunch of, and you can put them in the dishwasher after you use them. What I have to do is remind myself to take it with me when I go out and get another beverage, a cold beverage, to bring my own straw. Maybe we need to create a campaign, B-Y-O-S, bring your own straws. These are little ways, simple ways that maybe you could consider as steps towards helping Mother Nature. EarthDay.org President Kathleen Rogers writes, we need to build a global citizenry fluent in the concept of climate change and inspired by environmental education to act in defense of the planet. It's not nice to fool Mother Nature by fooling ourselves, thinking that maybe we're doing enough or that we can't do anything that makes a difference. Know your facts. Start with some small steps to improve your eco-green behavior. 
vote on policies that protect the environment, use your vote to curb climate change, and you can make a difference for your grandchildren, for your neighborhood, and for the planet. Well, hello, Duncan. Thank you for being with us on Rewired. I want to introduce you to our listeners. And uh, this is Duncan Sill from the Aging and Long-Term Services Department. Duncan, will you tell us a little about who you are there, what you do, your job title, et cetera? Absolutely, Duchess. Um, thank you for having me on. I'm Duncan Sill. As you, you mentioned, I'm with Aging and Long-Term Services Department here in the state of New Mexico. And I am the food security coordinator, which is a relatively new position here in the department. It was established um, by as a result of the governor's food farm and hunger initiative a little while ago there is uh, a couple of us in different departments that work together um, and so i am working with our internal team here to establish efforts and activities uh, anything that's would help us tackle the whole phenomenon of uh, food security here in the state. Well, I know I, I understand what that is, but when I first read your title, it made me giggle, food security. <laughs> Suddenly, I envisioned men in black standing there in front of, you know, some food table protecting food. And I know that's not exactly <laughs> right. So could you explain how that applies here for our listeners? And that, that that could definitely be a component of it. Yeah, I'm going to give you the, uh, the, the conventional academic uh, description of food security, and then I will also provide a context okay. from a non-academic <laughs> perspective. I think that's so, helpful. Yeah, so, so food security is uh you when you bring that up people often think of uh people lining up uh at food banks uh people who um you know maybe on the poverty line and hungry and certainly hunger is a side effect of food insecurity oh. um and the usda uh the the federal um government agency defines food insecurity as the lack of or limited access to safe, sufficient, and nutritious food. So that can be a very broad description of particular conditions. And what the academic and the conventional policy making uh, initiatives in our country and in our state included have focused on the socioeconomic components of mm. this particular phenomenon and dimension. So, and I'll pause here for for one second and stop the academic explanation because <laughs> you, you know people can Google and, and read and and a lot of it will just translate into. Uh, things that we hear on the news. Um, more importantly, 
if we shift into a dialogue and a day-to-day conversation, food insecurity, um, the flip side of it, the, you know, the, the other bookend of it, how do we get to food security, uh, is something that affects every American. And, and of course, we, we're here uh, talking mostly because of our conversation and the department's work here at Asian and Long Term. We concentrate more of the older Americans, 60 plus, right. um, here, here in the state. But as you know, mo- most of those folks, they have friends and relatives who are probably of other age they have children grandchildren or even um parents and uh, other relatives and, and friends so we a particular situation that affects food insecurity for that particular person may also affect other people they have relationships with people in their households yeah, so so I I I I don't want to isolate um, that phenomenon as a vacuum, and I, I think we we have to look at it as a daily endeavor of how do we take care of our basic needs, and and uh, it's it's closely related to adequate conditions of housing, uh, the environment we live in, right. uh, as you. As you know, uh, we're in the month of April. Uh, a, a lot of different places and a lot of different groups celebrate Earth Day, uh, which is coming up mm-hmm. next week, right? Um, That's, well, yes. You're, our, our, this episode is going to be on the 19th, so it's it's just a few days before the Earth Day um, celebration. Right, right. Yeah, so so I, I would actually welcome the lens and the perspective of – looking at food security or food insecurity uh, you know as a you know as sort of the event the 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 other side of the mirror um in in the context of how we um experience the environment and the conditions that that we're facing right now so uh so i'll i'll pause here you you probably (laughs) have a lot of questions uh but oh, I, do. I, I i want to make sure that I, I i don't just concentrate on a conventional academic explanation of these things now I, I appreciate that because as you mentioned listeners or anybody else can go onto the website and either look at the aging long-term services website which by the way is aging.nm.gov or, you know, just with their favorite browser, do some research. So, yes, the academics are out there. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you today was to find out sort of the, the day-to-day stuff, uh, the one-on-one, how does someone, we're focused mostly on New Mexico, but I'm sure this applies across the country in, in some ways. How does someone who is in need of secure food find it? Yeah, well, I think that you know the finding and this discovering access is a um, continuity of complex issues, uh, beginning from uh, how how do you gain 
access to not only adequate quantity of food, mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes uh, that that um, triggers the the first challenge for for some folks. And as you and I probably know, and and the listeners out there are very familiar with, and, and in the recent months, our country has been experiencing a lot of macroeconomic challenges with increase in inflation that affect how our pocketbook is able to accommodate purchases in the grocery store, right? Let, right. Let's start with that. Right. You know, walk, walking in, um, I personally uh, have adjusted my purchasing, you know, how I buy grocery on a regular basis. I... I no longer buy eggs, um, <laughs> and, and and you laugh, right? Because that's well, I, I yeah. think there, there's 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 there, there are a lot of people who share that sentiment. How 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 do you pick and choose when you have limitations, right? So I think uh, a lot of folks begin with that, um, right? And I and, and I think you're right. It it applies to. Uh, everyone it's not just seniors who have to face that well and and seniors a lot of times because one they may be retired uh they may have limited um income and they may have other things that are going on that require their funds their their available budget for example, uh, heightened healthcare. They they need to uh, get more medication for certain conditions. They need uh, certain other things. Uh, it, it could be a myriad of things, and we're, and we're not even talking about the whole uh, complexity and uh, obstacles that the nation is facing that affects a lot of the working and middle class right now in terms of occupancy with housing, uh, heightened utility costs. Uh, we, we're just getting out of a very bad winter for a lot of folks where right. gas prices for a lot of uh, for a lot of folks have triple. Um, they they uh, you know I'm sure there are a lot of listeners out there, you know, I know people who have to use their credit cards to pay their utility bills and they're still paying off that balance right now as the weather is getting warmer in, in different places, right? Yes. Uh, so so that um, decision on a daily basis, when they have to go into the grocery store, they're going to have to make adjustments. And a lot of times that could translate into inadequate amount of food, nutritious food that they may be able to purchase and consume, right? Right. Um, so 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 the the dominoes begin to fall and you have all these different links and it's not just you know one unique phenomena they're all connected you know so when you have um that as an access point for most people um then you begin to look at uh, how they utilize the, the the limit resources and and maybe the the food that they could actually buy at the grocery store. Um, mm-hmm. 
So when they go back and prepare not only for themselves and, you know, maybe for members of the household, um, my, you know, my visualization when I speak of that, uh, a lot of times right now, uh, a grandparents taking care of grandchildren. So yes. when they prepare food or when they uh, try to get meals for uh, the little kids, sometimes older kids, right? It's not just the little kids uh, in, in some households. Uh, what, what, you know, how, how are they balancing the limitation, right? So to, to make sure that there's still enough nutrition to go to not only themselves, but the folks they're taking care of. So, so we, if, we have these things going on. Right. Uh, you're, uh, you're providing me with a much bigger picture. It's a different web of, as you said, interconnectivity. It's not just one aspect that I hadn't, I hadn't considered. So I'm, I'm appreciating that. I wanted to know, you were talking about people and families, and usually they have a neighbor or, or kids or grandkids. And I, I started thinking about the people who live alone and maybe don't have family. How do they get supported or how do they contact you, your department or what, what might yeah. they do? We, we, we try to do outreach to senior centers in different regions, along with the non-metro AAA, which is the area agency on uh, aging. They are the intermediate um, uh, organization between the local senior centers, uh, the providers. Uh, sometimes they might be nonprofits or municipalities, the cities, the townships, the, the counties. Um, and so the non-Metro AAA act as the, uh, the conduit between our agency and the federal government to these localities. So a lot of these sites and organizations do outreach. And certainly we have a lot more uh, that we need to uh, accomplish. It's, 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 it's a daily effort um, with limited uh, capacity, uh, but, there are, there, but there's a network of people out there working this every day. So for folks who uh, might be there um, trying to figure out if I'm alone, I need to find some way to gain access. A lot of times we encourage people to contact their local senior center because oh. a lot of those places have resources and information and they could connect them um, with different organizations. And we're trying to do a better job to integrate um, multiple agency efforts Mm -hmm. And it's it's part of what we we're currently stepping up, uh, and and hopefully that will be more coordinated, where the the person who is seeking help has access to a centralized place where they could gain information and um, ability to participate in the service programs out there. Because a lot of times, right now. The individual, especially for the uh, the elderly who are um, needing help, they they're being bounced around in different agencies. You, you're probably familiar with that scenario. You you get you pick up the phone, and they you know the response is, well, yeah, we don't really do that. We only do this, right? Um, and and then you're trying to figure out, okay, well, if they don't do that, then who do I contact? 
And by the time that you do 20 of those things, uh, I don't know about you, it it gets tiresome and some people give up. So we, right. we, we lose connection with people that way. And we need to do a much better job from the public sector to support that. And I, I so, so agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I we have it's not it's not that we don't have the ability. I think that we have created silo programs and service provision for such a long time that we're stuck in that status quo, and mm-hmm. we may not be as efficient um, to come out of it. So we 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 need to work on it collectively and and in a very concentrated manner. Uh, so that that's. Uh, one thing that I try to do in the work that I support on a regular basis uh, and, and and to better connect the dots and to have better follow-up to make sure that um, the individuals and the groups we serve have better access to not only the information, but the, 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 the tangible services out there. So that's um, that's a long-winded answer to how uh, someone who you know may be isolated or alone. We need to do you know, of course, you know, better active outreach to to reach some of these people. I mean, within our uh, service provision with the senior centers and our network, we are probably only serving ten percent of the senior population here in only the state. Only ten percent. There's there's a lot more. So there's there's a lot more people. Uh, who one you know may not be aware um, of oh. the services available, or they may not they all they believe that they don't need the service, um, or, so or feel embarrassed. Not, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I think I think some some of it too is is that um, there are folks who go into senior centers and they they're looking for um, social connections or recreation. They, they, you know, they may not be. Um, there, there are folks who go in who 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 need to have meals. Uh, right. Certainly, that that that's very true. Um, but the senior centers, uh, in in some way, could could act as the catalyst to in you know to to have better invitation. Um, but with that said, I mean there there their complexity that we're facing right now with uh, lack of resources, staff turnover. Uh, it's just a whole myriad of things coming out of the pandemic as well. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not a, an isolated phenomenon with a lot of these things. They, they are connected and, and that's, you know, where, where some of the difficulty of engagement may lie is that there's just so many things, so many different pieces. Right. And as you said, I think everyone, everywhere in whatever area they live, work, or move, everyone's still kind of picking up the pieces from the shutdown, from the pandemic, financially, emotionally, physically. So I'm not surprised, but I I have to admit that I was stunned when you said about 10%, being able to serve only about 10% of the seniors here and I, I'm hoping okay. that 
interviews such as this, where it's a one-on-one as if we're sitting at a table talking, that that's going to help either get to those seniors to hear it, or maybe a caregiver or family member to hear it so that we can expand that outreach. That and and I think at the same time, the parallel efforts across the collective stakeholders who are involved, especially from the public sector, you know, where we we are offering services, we need to make sure that there is efficiency for people to gain access, that they don't deal with from the onset a bureaucratic process. Mm. Hmm. How do I we think do that? Oftentimes that that why well, I, I think we 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 need we need to perhaps um and, and this is a cliche, right? You know, you, you know, step in another person's shoes. Okay. Uh, I think we need to do more of that out there in the communities. Uh I I, I try to engage on the local level and wherever I can. I mean, it's, it's a big state we cover, right? You know sure. that, <laughs> and it's not, it's not that easy to travel from one corner to the other, but I, 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 I think paying attention to your surroundings, to the conditions on a local level, what really is happening, uh, really listening to people, uh, and, um, offering, uh, options for people to gain access to services uh we we're, we're we're struggling right now still you know trying to understand well what programs does this other agency offer who is doing what um i see yeah. i don't i don't have clarity of everything you know and how do you expect the public the general public the people who really need help to navigate through all of this Whoa, yeah. I I mean I even I, I'm being honest. I'm I'm not I'm not beating around the bush. And I and I wouldn't <laughs> you know, want you to. I, and I, I think we have to be honest. We are at that stage in the world culture. And right now, of course, as you're we're referencing the state culture for New Mexico, we are at that stage where we really kind of have to do that and not yeah. kind of tune out. There's a disassociation that seems to have taken mm-hmm. place culturally. It, well, it's easy to do. You become, um, and, and and this is something that I I I've been working on recently as not 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 only to put things in in perspective, but how I approach um, my relationships with different people and the work that I do is that I am seeing a lot of collective numb out mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. that people just say oh, it's it's too complicated it <laughs> you know the things that we are supposed to get involved in they don't really work um and it's the same old same old i mean certainly the new cycle doesn't help because they keep regurgitating and and people get get really fatigued by by all of that and 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 a lot of it is that we're spinning in our own anxiety in some way you know i don't have a better way to put it uh so how how do we just anchor ourselves and put one foot in front of the other you know in front of the other again it's learning how to walk right it's it's it, it's 
it's it's not easy. No, and and I think with your metaphor there, then I think it also has to include us being able to reach out a hand to someone who's trying to learn how to walk so that we can maybe Mm -hmm. help each other be upright and moving forward individually and collectively to make the shift. Because I think I I agree with you. We're kind of in a broken record in a loop and and something needs to break that pattern. And I love the fact that you're trying to do that for the state of New Mexico. All by yourself. Well, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. We'll, we'll 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 see what happens. I'm kind of the, and 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 uh, the the folks I work with here internally, including uh, Denise King, who was my direct supervisor. She, you know, she's a wonderful uh, division director here. Yes. Uh, you know, we have a good team. Um, yeah, she she knows I'm a little odd. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, I'm I, I'm 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 definitely not conventional when it comes to things like this. No, so. no, you no, you do not sound like the conventional government employee to me, and that so <laughs> I, I'm I'm enjoying that. Now, before we start to wrap this up, I'd love it if you would just say a little bit about since we are celebrating Earth Day this week, a little bit about the New Mexico Grown Program. Sure. Sure. The New Mexico Grown Program has been um, a collective effort here in the state for many years. And I, I can't even remember how long ago. You know, I would safely say it was probably uh, a two decade effort uh, leading up to this point. And currently we have three state agencies that support institutional procurement of locally sourced grown products here working with food hubs and farmers and uh, different institutional agencies uh, that support schools, early childhood center, adult daycare, senior centers, and institutions like that. And the primary effort right now is to get uh, healthy produce uh, as well as protein, um, there, there, there's a new effort right now to support uh, meat products uh, that could be purchased through these institutions. And um, it's still a work in progress, but there okay. there has been some very um, applaudable successes to, to get school districts, um, Early childhood centers, uh, quite a quite a number of senior centers participating. So uh, uh, more more to come, but I think <laughs> the engagement is very exciting um, to see more and more local growers who 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 are supported. And as you know, there is a long tradition tradition here with agriculture with working with the land so Mm -hmm. that part uh is worth every single penny that we put into it and and last year i think collectively uh in the institutional purchase was um about two million dollars and i think that number is going to increase a little bit uh, based on the food and farm hunger initiative, the go- where the governor's office is uh, in- investing in a lot of these efforts, and certainly the public sector is one um, segment of it. There, there are nonprofits 
who are in, you know, who, who participate and get involved and they work in the food system and the value chain. And you um, have a lot of um, local growers in different regions that are coming uh, to partner with us. Uh, so more to come and um, Ophelia's uh, a step with our um, department here. She oversees a lot of the activities with New Mexico Grow. So we partner with a lot of different stakeholders here in in the state. Um, I think that's great so. because it's a it's it's a growing win win situation supporting the growers and farmers, which then provide food for people who are in need. So I'm I think that's a wonderful program to support. And Ophelia, I know I spoke with her a couple of weeks ago, and she's so passionate about all of this. We're very fortunate to have her in charge. <laughs> yeah, 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 and 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 certainly, as I mentioned, it, it's still a work in progress. There's a lot. Um, to come and hopefully we'll, we'll we'll get there eventually but just put it in perspective the um the agriculture economy here in the state is about 3.5 billion dollars uh very little of it translates into locally sourced uh and consumed products so we need to do a much better job but these types of efforts like new mexico grow uh where the public institutions now could make purchases directly um, and, and, and support that as part of the equation for provision of meals as part of their nutrition mm -hmm. planning and facilitation. Um, it's a catalyst. It's, it's something that hopefully it, it, it could permeate and broaden into other market segments out there aside from just um a, a handful of public institutions purchasing so um let's see what happens this is great well i'm gonna wrap us up here and 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 i, I just want to reiterate that we talked about the AAA, which has nothing to do with cars. It's the Area Agency on Aging, and that's yep. available for people to access for information, individuals 60 and older and uh, 55 and older and tribal programs, which are certainly yeah. important. And, and certainly people state. reach out to their local senior centers or the municipalities, the township, right. Right. And, and, and ask questions because uh, nine times out of 10, they will be able to provide you with something or refer you to someone who knows. That's and, fabulous. And, and access our website, you know, tag us. And uh, if we don't know, we'll find out. We'll, we'll, we'll get a response. And you so, can try the, the phone number 1-800-432-2080. And Duncan, I hope you'll come back again because I know we only just scratched the surface today. And I hear your passion and focus about the work you do. So thank you so much for joining us today on Rewired. And thank you, Duchess. Talk to you soon. You're listening to Rewired with Duchess Dale, sponsored by the Aging and Long-Term Services Department of New Mexico. episode number five here at rewired i'm so glad that you join us and i hope that you share the information about this podcast with your friends or family and let them know how they can find us on apple or spotify 
It's free of charge. You don't need a subscription. And it would be really great if you would choose follow or subscribe. That way you get notified right away when a new episode is uploaded. So thank you for helping me to turn information into inspiration. And again, a thank you to Duncan Sill, who was our guest today. Looking forward to joining you as you join me next week. And remember to reconnect recommit, and rewire. Thanks to the Aging and Long-Term Services Department of New Mexico for sponsoring our show. Our original music was written and sung by New Mexico's own Lydia Clark. Join us for Midweek Uplift next Wednesday, streaming at noon Mountain Standard Time. I'm your announcer, Don Converse. Till then, stay plugged in. We've got information and inspiration. You've got all.